Hi there, and thanks for joining us on this week's podcast, Counting Trees from Space, restaurant royalty that have turned their hands to food trucks and life in the gym now that they're all open again. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. You might think it's easy to keep track of a forest, but it's a very hard process for the most part. And my next guest has come up with a really clever way of doing it from space. Enda Keen is the CEO of Cork Company Tree Metrics. How are you, Enda? Yeah, very good, Jonathan. How did you end up working in trees? <laughs> well, I suppose that the background, my dad was a forester, so I, I grew up... Um, surrounded by trees as a young fella. And I had no real inclination to become a forester um, as a young fella, but uh, I was surrounded by them. And then when the, when you know, when you're leaving cert and you're, you're pushed to make a decision and a, a choice to go into computer science or, or, uh, or forestry. And I, I don't know what came over me, but I took the decision to go over forestry. And obviously I had, I had an interest in the environment and, and the outdoors and stuff. So that, that's what kind of swung it. And it was down to that, you know, dilemma of what do you choose to do in your career? And I just went for, I went for forestry and that was it. And uh, there was no looking back, I suppose. <laughs> I'm always fascinated yeah. by, by people who uh, are involved in forestry because unlike a dairy farmer uh, where the cow produces milk every day or you could turn beef around in 18 months, trees take a long time to grow. Uh, and you, you are literally looking at your investment for a long time before you were able to call it in. Um there are many different ways, I presume, that people would have monitored forests, but clearly you saw a gap in the market to do it using technology. Yeah, that's exactly right. When I, when I came out of college, you, you spend you know whatever years you, you, of your early time in the in college learning how to measure a forest, and they give you all these formulas and models, and, and they give you these kind of measuring tapes, and off you go, and you go out and measure them. And, and then when the real world happens, when you cut the trees and bring them to the sawmill, in my earlier years, we, I was just finding that I was never getting it right, that the, the systems just weren't working. And my fellow colleagues in the industry were saying the same thing, that it, it's a difficult crop to measure because of the variation. You get big trees and small trees and straight trees and crooked trees and and uh, difficult terrain, etc. And so, so, yeah, we were making mistakes and I just felt it just wasn't good enough. And lots of my colleagues had the same opinion as well, that there was a lot of error in the system. So a lot of mistakes and you're talking about big money on the line if you do make a big mistake. Um, so a lot of risk. So I set about trying to come up with a better way of uh, of measuring. Started looking for solutions and yeah, stumbled across one. And yeah, then then took the took the bold decision to 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 dive into trying to develop it and bring it to the world of forestry. So that was 17 years ago. Would you believe, Jonathan? It's hard, hard to believe. <laughs> It's a seventeen-year overnight success, as they say. Uh, I mean, like, what option? What options to go up in a hot air balloon and count the trees? That's kind of time prohibitive. Uh, you you kind of went further and decided space might be an option. How did you end up linking in with the European Space Agency? But it, it all came from a, a my for, very first job when I was studying above in UCD. I got a job um, when I graduated for a few months working with UCD on a project with satellite imagery above in Roscommon, of all places. And they, they sent me off in a van with a few of my colleagues and we had to go out and actually, in those days, like nearly 30 years ago, the satellites were very crude. 
and you could just about make out was it a, a forest or a field or a lake huh. and the the if you look at google earth today you you know you can look down in cork and you can see your house and you can see your car maybe and you can maybe even see the just about make out people well in those days um each pixel on the ground was like 20 meters by 20 meters so you could it was just a smudge <laughs> cork would only be a big smudge and uh, but it was it got my attention and i learned the basics of satellite imagery back there 30 years ago and i just kept track of of the ever improving satellites and how they were getting more precise and more precise and i suppose it was a, a as a result of the the arms race and the, the russians and the americans investing hugely in space technologies that the, the satellites got better and better and better and then they started making them available to to the general public and yeah, so we, you know, nowadays it's it's incredible the resolution you can you can as I can you can pick out a single tree now uh, from space. So it made made logical sense that you would use satellite technology to to map your forest and to work out how many trees you had. So before you ever went out on the ground to measure the trees, at least you knew now how many trees you had, and that was a, a big part of the of the mistakes that were being made in the forest industry. And as a young forester, you were given a paper map. And you were sent off to your forest for a few days, <laughs> and you know, like the paper map, map was very crude, and you, you'd make a lot of mistakes. But nowadays, thankfully, on your phone, you have this super, you know, quality image. And the other thing about space is you got GPS, so now you can at least track yourself, and you know where you are in the forest. That was also a big issue about knowing where you were in this dense crop. And then the final piece of the jigsaw was satellite communications that uh, the space the space technologies delivered communications to anywhere in the world. So a lot of foresters spend a lot of time out in remote areas where there's no mobile phone coverage. Mm. So the three pillars of space are, are um, imagery, GPS and communications. So it made logical sense as a forester that if we were going to develop a tech solution, we'd, we'd go to the European Space Agency and uh, Enterprise Ireland were hugely helpful to us. They had a door. Well, yeah, there. that was my next question. Did you just rock up one day and said, how's it going, lads? I have a great idea. Or, or did you go through uh, an intermediary? Yeah, I went through an intermediary. I spoke at a conference one day and um, uh, Enterprise Ireland came up after and said, you know, you can go to the space agency with your with your vision and what you're trying to do. And uh, yeah, and, and a few months later, we were in the space agency in Holland. They have a place there in Nordvik in Holland and showed them our vision and they said, well, great idea, we can help you. And we've got the satellites and we've all the scientists and engineers. So we worked out a deal with them, which was hard to believe. It was an amazing moment. It was in 2012 when we signed our first deal with them. And um, that was exciting to get to get in the door and actually win some work with them and start to work. And that that began a great new kind of journey for the company. Mm. And we're, you know, we're, we're 10 years nearly almost with them. And it's been a great experience. They've continued to help us and to support us as as new technology comes out from them. It's helping us to improve our system. So now now we use we use satellites now to, as I said, to map forests, count the trees. But we also still they help us on the ground as well in knowing where we are and collecting data and making sure the data gets back to to wherever wherever we want it sent to. So yeah, it's a, it's been a great experience and yeah, it's good you know going to meet them. Every year, it's always kind of funny when you're walking past these rockets and pictures <laughs> <Yeah>. of <laughs> And of, there you are counting trees, but still, it, it yeah. holds up. I it's, it's quite the journey you've been on, but I, it's very similar to another business we featured recently, Apis Protect, Fiona Edwards Murphy's mm-hmm. business, where, you know, they're, they're all around the world helping uh, bee farmers uh, manage 
and control bees and checking out whether they're sick or not using really cutting edge technology and here you are doing the same thing but doing it for trees ultimately where does this go and i mean you you are looking i'm presuming at forests around the world and helping people right across the globe uh, to do this in a better way and probably help the environment in the process yeah, exactly. We Over the 17 years, we've worked in over 35 countries around the world. So we've already been out and about, <laughs> getting lost and, and uh, out and about on the ground and, and learning all about forestry in different parts of the world. And foresters and forest owners have the same challenges if they're in Ireland or if they're in Chile or anywhere in the world where we've been. Um, you know, They still have the same challenges of knowing how many trees they have, how healthy are they, um, what size are they, um, what do you do next with them? Uh, we've, there's a lot of issues out there in the forest world at the moment as, as a direct result of climate change. Um, forests are getting drier. They're more susceptible, because they're drier, they're more susceptible to fires and to disease and insect attack. So yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of issues out there in the forestry world. So we, we have a big role to play in, in helping owners to know what they have and you know what do they do next if there's issues being, being spotted. And... Yeah, our, our mission really is to get out there now more with the private owners of the world. Like there are lots of governments manage forests and they have great systems and lots of money and lots of resources, but the private owners of the world have nothing basically. Um, so our mission is to help the private owners in particular. And there are hard to believe, but there are 16 million private owners in, in Europe alone. And Europe's forests are unfortunately coming under major stress from disease and insect attack in, in, in particular insect attack we'd you know with a huge in, infestation of bark beetles across central europe there over the last three years and killing you know hundreds of millions of trees and also in, here in ireland we've had the ash disease unfortunately which is wiping out ash as a species across our country and that's just an example of of uh, climate change the very real impact that it's having on our on our environment yeah. and yeah so big challenges ahead for for humanity and you know we we need we need more information basically and we need to help yeah. those owners to to keep an eye on their crop and, and know what to do and and uh, keep it healthy and, and and you know put the right trees back when the trees are dying you need to replant trees that will survive for the next 50 100 years well, as they oh, yes. always say, and data is king, and and that's what you're doing. You, you did well, considering you had choices, and you, you, by your own admission, forestry shouldn't have been your first choice. But there was someone with their hand on your shoulder, knowing there was more in Endicine. We wish you the very best luck uh, as you continue to expand around the world. Endicine, CEO of Tree Metrics. Thanks so much for joining us on Red Business, Enda. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Thank you very much. Red Business, all that's best about business in Cork. One of the big revelations of lockdown has been the marina market and it, it genuinely blew me away. The first time I went there, it it felt like an out-of-cork experience, very similar to an out-of-body experience, but I really felt I was more in somewhere like Covent Garden than I was in the heavily industrialised marina. But it's down to the types of businesses that are there and a little bit of creative vision as to what people might want to do in a global pandemic. So I'm delighted to be joined by two brothers uh, who operate two of the units at the Marina Market, uh, Colin and Philip Ryan. How are you, gents? Very good. How are you? Very good, Jonathan. How are you keeping? Uh, Very well. Now, which of you is handsome? 
That's me, Colin. That's you, Colin, and that's not that's not a description of your appearance because it's radio and I can't see you. And uh, which one? That means Philip, you are smooth, correct? Yes, I'm smooth. Yeah. Okay. Next to Colin's so, yeah. So Colin obviously has a bit of an owl complex that he causes his business handsome. But tell us a little <laughs> bit about what it is, Colin. Um, yeah, a little bit of a complex. <laughs> um, basically, it's a chicken rotisserie takeaway. So I'm doing chicken sandwiches, full chickens and half chickens. Okay, and that, I'm already hungry listening to this because I, I remember seeing it at the time. Uh, it, so, like, you, you took a unit down there. It's kind of, it, it, I, I'm going to unfairly describe it as, 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 a, as a box, but you had to kit it out and you had to make it kitchen ready and you had to follow all the hygiene rules, but you're churning out chicken, yeah? Yes, exactly. So I bought it in January and spent, um, like, maybe two months getting it ready and Phil actually did it with me and gave me a hand with everything, setting it up. So uh, we were down there every day and then we got to choose our spot down there. So we chose outside and um, kitted the whole thing, got the rotisserie in from Germany and everything and uh, made it all basically perfectly health officer friendly and everything. And um, yeah, got cracking with the two rotisseries in there, burning full time pretty much. So it's flying, thank God. Yeah, I, the, the, the great thing about rotisseries like that, anyone who's ever gone to Spain, um, knows that these are everywhere. Like there's there's little chicken places yeah. all over the place. Um, yeah. uh, but we didn't really kind of grasp it here in Ireland until relatively recently. No, no, you don't really see it many places. Um, and that was kind of the idea behind it. Really, was there's there's nowhere you can get a, a rotisserie chicken cooked in front of you and pulled apart right in front of you and put into a fresh ciabatta sandwich made right in front of you. I haven't seen anywhere in Cork that does that fresh so uh, that was the idea behind it really and um, it seems to have taken off okay and the brothers next year quite literally there now uh, but also down there now I have to say Colin I didn't indulge at yours um, but Philip I have indulged uh, at Smooth but uh, you, you might tell the people who are listening what Smooth does we were kind of building Colin's unit down below so I was helping him out and I got a, a bit of container envy when I was down there <laughs> so decided to open up um, a unit serving ice creams smoothies waffles and milkshakes Okay. Basically, all the sweet sweets. Yeah, and to be, and they're very good, by the way. I have to say, I, I, I was really, really happy uh, that I that I chose yeah, yours. Learned a lot about ice cream over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'd imagine you did shift a good bit. Um, both of your backgrounds, like you're really steeped in the foodie scene, aren't you? Because it was was it your granddad set up the Arbutus Lodge? Yeah, yeah, our grandfather set up the, the Arbutus Lodge, and I think it was 1972, I think, and uh, it was the first Michelin-starred uh, restaurant in Ireland. So uh, we kind of grew up running around the halls of there and um, our family have been in the hospitality uh, industry since. Right. And of course, your, your dad um, was also involved. I think he was one of the head chefs at the Arbutus Lodge he for a while. Yeah, he was a head chef for years. And when we were kids, he used to have a TV show, an RTE, Movable Feast, an old cooking show when I was in primary school. And um, yeah, I set up Isaac. So I think Isaac is turning about 31 years old now this year. Right. You hadn't a hope, lads. Yeah, you were going to end up cooking something or making some kind of food, weren't yeah, you? exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, listen, uh, it's in our blood and it's kind of all we know. So we said uh, we'd continue on the family heritage. Mm. The only problem, of course, is that in the current environment, uh, restaurants are not having a good time. Was that the motivation, Colin, behind uh, your uh, your enterprise with Hanson? Was that whatever you could do, you couldn't do it indoors, so you had to adapt? Yeah, exactly. So um, I always thought hospitality was the safest uh, line of work for me. I thought if there was any recession, people would want to drink, want to eat out. I never expected something like this to happen. So uh, just being kind of put out of work so suddenly um, and 
like out of work for the whole year. I never expected something like that. So we were thinking about what we could do and the fact that food uh, takeaway can be served through any lockdown or anything. That was kind of the main runner behind it to be kind of have a safe job. So that's why we set it up. And then to be outdoors as well, you can't really be shut down. So that was the plan behind all that, just to kind of have a safe job to keep going. Yeah, I mean, it'd be hard to be moving the two units around, lads, if you didn't have a permanent base in the marina market. I'm I'm guessing that was the saviour here, that you had somewhere where you could literally park up and you knew you were going back there every day. Yeah, very much so. We are fully plumbed down there and we have three-phase three, three phase power on site as well. So it's not something that you could maybe, you know, bring up to the electric picnic, dump in a field because uh, there's a bit of work to moving them, you know. So hopefully it'll live down there for, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, there, there's no sign of it moving, though. I mean, I, I see that as a, a semi-permanent fixture on the foodie scene in Cork uh, purely because... It's got so much variety. I, I, I Like the day I was there, it was really, really busy and people were really enjoying it. And I get the impression it's like that a lot of the time. Yeah, very much so. Listen, there's always kind of new traders uh, coming in, which is fantastic. So I know we'd know a lot of the traders um, before this, but uh, the, the whole the atmosphere down there is fantastic. And as I said, every week we're coming in, which is fantastic. So more of a draw. People are coming down all the time. And uh, to be honest, people are only starting to... F- realize that this is a thing you know so lots of people have known it's there but um there's been a lot of talk about it in the last couple of weeks so people we're seeing lots of new faces down there all the time Mm. there's competition though i mean who's got the biggest queue that was the thing i spotted and there was was quite the queue at handsome the day i was there as well and there was another few places inside uh burnt always has a steady queue i mean people know what they like don't they and and they the great thing about having that variety is they can gravitate wherever they want to uh, yeah, very much so. Listen, what I found out is that people only like to eat ice cream when it's sunny. So uh, sunny day, I'll re- revisit my roster and just uh, put another few people in there when it's raining. Um, I can pretty much do it on my own, you know? Yeah, you haven't met my kids. They'll eat ice cream any day of the week, whether the sun is shining or not. Um, look, lads, it's, it's brilliant to talk to you both. Um, now that we are approaching something like a bit of hope uh, and obviously our confidence has been knocked again in the last week or so. Uh, is this it? Uh, have you any other plans now that you found a taste for this? Uh, could this be the direction that both of your careers headed from here out? I think so, yeah. I, am, I was running the Oyster Tavern in town but I've actually just left now from as of last Sunday. So I'm full-time handsome now for the summer. See, look, there's the um, arrogance again. Full-time handsome. How, <laughs> Philip, how do you live with them? Uh, I'm fully invested in it now so I'm going to try to give the, the chicken game a go full time Colin and Philip Ryan of Handsome and Smooth and Isaacs thank you so much for joining us on Red Business and whatever comes next lads the best of luck thanks thank very much you, Jonathan. Jonathan. Great Cheers. Cheers. Red Business Cork's exclusive business podcast it's been back to the gym for lots and lots of people. In fact, a couple of gyms I've passed by, it's it's great to see people coming in and out, uh, although it's a little bit clinical inside there as people respect the COVID rules. Kean O'Flynn is the co-owner of ATP Fitness based in Donnybrook and Douglas. He's with me now. Kean, how are you? I'm good now. Thanks, John. I'm delighted to be uh, back in action. <laughs> uh, you're about a month back in. How's it been? Yeah, so we're uh, we're now nearly four weeks uh, back. It's been amazing. Um, we find like you know this time around uh, opening back up, uh, clients were um, very very excited uh, to to get back in to get back training. Um, we found the third lockdown, both uh, ourselves and clients uh, definitely struggled uh, the, the the most with their mental health. With you know just not having access to you know being able to go and exercise in a safe place 
Um, so uh, the, the last four weeks has just been, you know, everyone's buzzing to get back. Uh, everyone's like smiling, coming in the door, get, getting their sessions done. So it's, yeah, it's been a really uh, mm. exciting uh, and fun time for us. I mean, you, you really were counter the days you were closed. How long were you closed in total? So we were closed over 11 out of 15 months. Uh, so it was pretty brutal uh, from the business point of view. Um, we were uh, closed uh, f- nearly five and a half months the last lockdown. Right. And and how did you and your business partners survive that? Because it's it like every business that had to close. Some businesses carried on regardless. Some people didn't feel it at all. You had to close. You, you, there were you customers that you wanted to service but you couldn't what was it like for your own head uh it was very very tough uh, myself and my um close friend and business partner ian we, we both found, found a very tough uh you know it, it's it's like very frightening uh prospect um you know closing your business and like having to close your business and um we were obviously fully on board uh with like why we had to do that but it was just like so many unknowns um uh, you know not knowing how long the lockdowns were going to last for uh not knowing and you know when we opened back up again you know was that demand for the, the, the personal training classes going to still be there um like not knowing how long you know the savings uh, that we had built up throughout the years was going to last uh so a lot of fear a lot of anxiety uh, a lot of stress but i suppose we, we were quite lucky in that um we had each other's really good strong partnerships so we were able to kind of like uh, bounce off each other um uh, you know, um, and we definitely kept ourselves very, very busy uh, throughout the lockdowns as well. Whilst the physical gym itself uh, was closed, uh, we, we kind of got to work on shifting uh, online. So bringing our personal training online, bringing our classes online uh, and then creating um, an online health and wellness program uh, called the Feel Great, uh, which we put a lot of work into it was months um of work went into it uh, which we, we we would have never had the time to create had it not been for um the lockdowns so mm. it was, was a very stressful um uh, period uh there, there, i suppose there's a few silver linings out of it as well so you're, you're back in the gym now people are back in is is it as i said a little clinical there at the moment are people people respecting the rules are are the rules being you have to fully enforce them and has that made a difference to the inside of the gym yeah, well, we, we've, um, we're very lucky. We have over four and a half thousand square foot, so we have plenty of space. And, you know, we, we our model is a little bit different from kind of open commercial gym. We're, we're an exclusively um, private setting, so we do semi-private PT. So there's never, um, you know, that many people in a, in a very large space. Um, and, you know, the clients have been fantastic. Yeah, we go through a lot of cleaning gear, a lot of uh, disinfectant, a lot of, you know, blue roll, everything is wiped down and cleaned uh, after a client uses a bit of um, bit of gear. The trainers are um, uh, are wearing masks and um, we have a huge PT studio. So, so it's, it's, it's quite easy mm. then to adhere to social distancing. Well. And, and the ventilation is huge as well. Presumably there's ways of cleaning out the air, which seems to be the most important thing that we could have and should have been doing all along. Yeah, so we were, again, we're quite lucky. We've very high ceilings. We've plenty of windows, um, so ventilation hasn't hasn't been uh, an issue for us either. So um, yeah, we've, we're really happy with our setup here, um, and we're just delighted that uh, we're back open, back in action again. 
One of the things that you, you did during lockdown was connect in new ways and you started using social a lot more. Um, that's kind of the, probably the best thing you're going to take away from the whole sorry situation, isn't it? That uh, you can communicate in very effective ways. Yes. Uh, so whilst we were no longer seeing our clients um, physically and in person, you know, they were seeing us every single day. Uh, when, when the first lockdown was announced, we just made the decision to put a lot of time, a lot of effort uh, into our social media presence, into the online presence. And like we have posted uh, every single day, if not repeatedly uh, or multiple times a day um, uh, since, since COVID began. Um, we've been posting, you know, educational content, podcasts, uh, reels, TikToks, uh, just, just challenges. Uh, so just keeping our clients engaged, but also building the brand um, and um, opening us up to, to, to new clients as well. You're back. Uh, you have no intention of going anywhere. We're, we're again, as we were speaking to the lads in the restaurant trade earlier, We'd like to know with a bit of certainty what the world was going to look like in a few weeks' time, in a few months' time. We're, we're back to not knowing, but are you hopeful that this is it now, that you can stay open? Um, we're, we're choosing to think that way anyway and, <laughs> and, and believe that because like, we we're totally closed off to the idea of going backwards. Uh, I suppose there was a bit of a, a hiccup all right during the week. Our, our classes were due to um, start up again. Our physical classes sorry, were due to start up again next week, so they all had to be cancelled and and deleted uh, the demand was there uh, we were taking bookings for them uh, but obviously they now can't go ahead and we don't know when they can go ahead um, from business point of view they account for maybe about a, a third uh, of our revenue pre-covid um, but they're also uh, a, a fantastic lead generator for us so uh, clients would um, they come in they might try one or two classes and then they'd convert onto the bigger packages into, into personal training so we're kind of missing out on that at the moment um, but then we're, we're trying our best to make up from it, uh, from the online side with the with with the education program. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, fingers crossed. It it holds up for you, which is I think the best we we can really look for in the circumstance. It, what's the website that people are looking for you? So it's uh, atpfitnesscork.ie, and we'd be very active as well on social media. So you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, drop drop some message or email, and we'd be we'd be happy to to help. Keen O'Flynn, co-owner of ATP Fitness. Best of luck in the future, Keen, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks very much, Jonathan. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget you can download every episode of Red Business right now from redextra.ie. May Fian was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.